Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome in. It is rain. It's always heavy here. Rain for short, or Nikita Brooklyn. And we're back with another episode of airing out the vents of an anomaly. I have had the luxury this week of being able to interview a bunch of different people about their sex life and about their life in the being part of the LGBTQ community. Also, uh, just you know, how their experiences have shaped them, what they've learned about themselves, how they've changed and metamorphosized over the years with these identities. Because I want us to really be able to sit down and talk about ourselves to other people without there being some type of stigma or judgment because of something that someone may not know about before they interact with me, you know? So I, I think we need to open our eyes more and be more attentive to the fact that there are, in fact, other people in the world. And one of those other people I have with me here today, <laughs> um, they can go ahead and introduce yourselves. Hello, I'm Tate. I'm a writer and artist living and working in New York. I, I'm currently writing a queer supernatural novel that draws on struggles with gender and sexuality and uses the mythical and supernatural as a lens for trauma. Um, I'm also currently dipping my toes into some new things, including nude art modeling and starting a fansly page, with which both seem to relate to this conversation in different ways. That sounds really awesome. Uh, so what what is the nude art thing? Like, how, how are you doing that? Um, so that's something I started to get into originally because I've always loved life drawing, um, whether it's drawing inanimate objects or models. And um, I've taken a lot of nude drawing classes over the years. And uh, a lot of people taking nude drawing classes sort of shy away from the models. They're a little nervous about interacting with someone who's being naked around them. But I started to just make a point to talk to the models as often as possible and ask them about how they got into modeling for art classes and stuff like that and um, what drove them to do it. And I started to find out how many different stories people had and how many different things people were getting out of doing this and then I started to realize hey this is something I could do and there's not a lot of people who are willing to expose themselves to like a bunch of strangers for art and so that makes it something that if you want to do it um, you really just have to practice being able to hold the poses and um, get get yourself out there um, so uh, what I've been doing now is just trying to get some beginner experience so that I uh, can build up a bit of a portfolio and then I'll be able to apply to like some colleges and stuff like that for their art classes. And I think then I'll be able to start to do it as a part-time gig thing is the, is the hope. That's awesome, dude. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Like one story in particular um, was uh, there was one model who I talked to in one of my classes who told me that she got into modeling because she's a rape survivor and um, nude art modeling was a way for her to reclaim her naked body in a different scenario, a different light that was completely her own concept. And I was like, wow, that's super powerful. Like, and she's also just like willing to say that to like a random student in a random class that she's modeling for. Um, and it was very inspiring to me. Yeah, you know, honestly, something about that, a lot of people have a lot of judgment for how people decide to reclaim their bodies after they've been traumatized, and I really think that people need to stop that. I even, like, you know, I see it all the time, of course, on the internet and stuff like that, but I think it's so, not not saying that you did that at all by any means, um, just, like, when you say that, like, it just made me think, like, oh, that is a very, uh, I guess I would say unorthodox way that I've heard someone express they were coping with trauma, um, especially sexual assault trauma and or rape trauma. And um, a lot of people be like, well, why would you show your naked body after you got raped? And it's just like, bro, like, why do you have to ask somebody else about their coping mechanisms when you don't know anything about their life to understand why they chose this method? So yeah. I, I'm very thankful you shared that with me today because I think people re- need to realize that coping is not universal and everyone copes differently. Definitely. All right. So firstly, what are your pronouns? I don't know if I just asked you that, but if I did. We'll um, no, yeah. Um, so I go by any pronouns. It's been such a fluctuating path for me over the course of my life that at this point I find um, any pronouns is the best way to go about things with other people. Um 
Okay. Lately, I, I think I've had, I don't know. I, 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 anytime I think, oh, maybe I shouldn't specify it to something else, I, I end up thinking it's just be- going to become a point of, of uh, fixation and confusion again if yeah. I nail it down. <laughs> so um, do you identify within the LGBTQIA umbrella? I would say uh, I always see myself as Q, uh, no matter what has changed in my life. Um, I feel like I've known that I was queer my entire life. I don't think there was like a time as a kid where I thought I was the societal standard of like a straight cis person. And that's been one constant, like no matter what else has changed. But um, I'm definitely a lot less label focused than I used to be when I was a bit younger. Uh, Well, what do you feel like your transitions were like in terms of how you identified yourself throughout your time? So at first, uh, I think when I was a kid, I didn't really worry very much about gender. And um, I just knew that like uh, my sense of sexuality was not based on just being the opposite sex that like I was interested in, in people for, for other, um, like, I don't know exactly what I would say about that when I was a kid. It wasn't about gender. It wasn't about gender. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't just about gender. Yeah, exactly. And, um, then, uh, when I started to discover more gender exploration, when I was 14, um, I was like, oh, like, I don't, I don't really feel like I have a gender. I, I just feel like I'm outside all these things. So at first I was like, oh, I'm, I'm a gender. And I started going by they, them. And, uh, that was, uh, I would say between then and now, thankfully a lot has changed around how people act about they, them pronouns. It's become a lot more socially normalized, um, over the past few years. But at that time it was like, really felt like other than my best friends, like nobody was going to do that. And so I started to be like, oh, nobody really takes that seriously. If you want them to take it seriously, you've got to make a, a bigger change. And so then I started thinking more and more about transitioning female to male. And um, for for a good chunk of my teens, I, I was living as a boy and um, uh, I guess going really hard with the whole gender binary thing and trying to like be as accepted by this guys that I went to school with as possible. And that was like my number one goal. And uh, at this point in my life, I feel like I lost myself in there for a bit. <laughs> like yeah. I, I wasn't really focusing on what it was I had actually wanted anymore. So um, once I was out of high school, really, that started to not work for me anymore. Um, I think partly because it was driven more by the social factors directly around me than it was like what I wanted and how I felt for myself. So um, over the past few years, I've re-examined what I want, where I want to go in the future. I went off hormones um, and that's been something that has been really helpful for me, has been really like freeing for me and um, helped me realize like, uh, it's it's never too late to change something, to learn something new about yourself. Um, I know before I went off hormones, I was like, I didn't feel like I could. I felt like if I went off hormones, I would be like telling everyone that I failed and made a mistake or something. And that's absolutely not the case. Um, so, yeah, it's I, I don't even know exactly what I would call myself now. Like, I, I don't think I could. It would make no sense to start calling myself cis, but I don't really particularly put myself in a specific trans identity either. So I just, at this point, I'm like, oh, well, I'm me. I guess I'll see where this goes from here. And there's nothing wrong with that, honestly. Um, So before we talk about the removal of the hormones, can we talk about when you started using them and like what kind of emotional hurdles you were dealing with with that? Yeah, definitely. So um, I started hormones when I was 16. Uh, I definitely wanted to start them before I was 16. I was very angry and frustrated that I wasn't allowed to start testosterone yet with 
it was mostly about insurance mm. stuff. Um, they would only cover it under certain circumstances. And so I had to wait for those circumstances um, with, um, it's, it was, it's not really only about therapist uh, support, but also like, um, oh, your particular insurance company might be how only cover it if you're 16 or over, 18 or over, whatever the case. So um, I, I think because I was so frustrated that I couldn't just get on them when I wanted to, I, uh, I also didn't really uh, want to examine the reasons for the ways I was feeling about my body because I feel that the, the more scrutiny uh, a person is under, the more sure they feel they need to be. Um, so uh, I, I definitely feel like I was in this. I think this is something that we need to be aware of is when, you know, when you're dealing with young people who are uh, trying to figure themselves out, but they definitely know there's something there, there's something they need to figure out. It, uh, the pushback can, can, cause a double down where I'm not saying, you know, oh, I sh- like I shouldn't have started hormones when I did, but I think I definitely could have had more guidance through the process and through what what I was feeling and why I was wanting what I was wanting. Um I definitely feel like I was sort of driving the car, so to speak, of um the transition and looking like back Yeah, looking back, I'm like, wow, I was 16. It would have been much better for the the counselors or or family that I was dealing with to be able to provide more of that adult position in the relationship of sort of life perspective and all that kind of stuff. Did you? Uh, I hope. Sorry, go ahead, please. I was just going to say, I hope that it's making sense the way I'm explaining things. No, it's definitely making sense. I just, I wonder if, uh, do you feel like you were too young then? Because I know you said you wanted to start transitioning before you were even 16, but you feel like you didn't even like, when you were 16 and they finally, you know, insurance allowed you to do this thing, you feel like you were kind of left to do it, I guess, yourself. Do you feel like you should have, you know, maybe wait, like, it's better to wait till you're older or 18 or like, you know, and stuff? Or like, do you feel like it's more about the fact that like other people around you maybe weren't? aligning with the same identity and didn't have that guidance for you? Um, I think it's a a bit of a combination of the two. Um, Like uh, when it comes to people under 18 um, doing hormones, I don't think it's something that it would be reasonable to make one hard rule about because um, uh, from my own situation, I know how distraught I was at the time. And I think just completely telling me there was no chance I could do it at all till I was 18. I don't know what kind of effect that could have had. That could have pushed me to a really bad place mentally where I didn't see a way out. But at the same time, I feel like the process I went through was not adequate support. Um, And that in the event that uh, counselors and whoever else decide it seems like a good thing for a young person to take hormones uh that should not be taken as like it's strange because i can't say it was taken lightly because of the loopholes you have to jump through but it's more a matter of like the support system when it comes to the therapy requirements and everything like um we don't live in a world where like there's a bunch of gender therapists who have some kind of understanding about what people go through in society around sex and gender. You know, it's mostly like people will realize for themselves that they're considering hormones before they end up in a therapist's office. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I think that was a big part of the problem when I look back is that like, I think I, I was getting a lot of things from online, talking to other people online who were maybe also trying to get on hormones or had already done it and, you know, were sympathetic to people who were going through the process they'd gone through. And I just don't think, even if hormones are the best thing for you, I don't think that's the best process mentally. Um, because sometimes, you know, even if something you're doing can be good for you if you don't 
have the right understanding about why you're doing it and um, how it's going to change your life, uh, you can end up not feeling as satisfied or, or, or um, good about it as you could have if more internal work had been done. And so that's the biggest thing is I do feel like I don't think I should have been able to do it at that age without more internal work. Um, but, you know, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not going to rule it out that like, you know, there could be a 16 year old who could do that internal work with the proper support, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I don't, I, I think you're just like kind of thinking about your own experience and what you wanted, but not making a blanket statement about how everyone else should be. Um, exactly. And that's totally fair. Like, I think that's the big thing. I think like, you know, a lot of this is difficult just because you guys have to deal with insurance and stuff so heavily. Um, and it's like, I don't know what, uh, it, it falls under gender affirming care, right? Yeah. Um, so I don't really know much about that personally. Um, but I do know it's hoops and hurdles for sure. Um, I've, I've had people tell me how difficult it was for them to get the surgeries they were looking for, for them to even find counselors to get to getting the surgeries they were looking for, um, and all these things. And I think you're absolutely right in saying that, you know, just because you maybe felt like the age wasn't the best, just because of what you're, you were surrounded with in terms of, uh, the support you had, doesn't mean that somebody else can't do it without doing the work inside and really internalizing the support system that they have. So that's really and what, yeah, one other thing I would mm-hmm. note is that when you're under 18, family is a make or break part of this process. And so like, I can't look back on this without just looking at um, how things were with my family. And I know for some people, um, you know, their family will say, when you're 18, if this is the decision you want to make, that's okay, but I'm not going to sign off for you to do it before you're 18. I don't feel like I'm comfortable with that. And, you know, some people have parents who will say, oh, like, you should never do that. I never want to see you doing that. And so there's a big spectrum. But I think um, I've realized that just having parents that were willing to sign off on it isn't like the holy grail of, of, families you could be born into that people sometimes think it is. Um, And that may sound difficult for any listeners who maybe are dealing with unsupportive families to hear, but um, like we were saying, 16 is really young, you know, 14, 15, when I was starting to talk to my family about these things is really young. And um, I'm glad my family always wanted to show me support and autonomy. Um, But at the same time, I think any 16 year old doing anything needs guidance um, uh, and and needs their parents to uh, understand and question um, like what they're going through. Um, Because, you know, your parents understand a lot of things that you don't at 16 usually. And um, I think my parents, uh, were a little more focused on which decisions would make them accepting good parents in terms of like, oh, they'd always thought of themselves as people who were like accepting of the gay community and everything. So mm. even though they had their reservations and their questions, like when I would get emotional and upset about them not jumping right on board, I feel like that would kind of push them. And looking back, you know, I I could look back and be like, oh, that was my fault. But I, I don't really feel that way because I'm like, oh, well, I was 16. So I think I was kind of doing what 16 year olds do when they feel strongly about things, which is just like putting my foot down and, you know, thinking that I, I know best and I know what I want and I know everything about what kids. I'll ever want. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly. kids. I feel like. Exactly. I don't have much to say on these things because I personally don't identify as trans. So I don't usually make commentary mm-hmm. on it. Um, but I will say that being non-binary, being pansexual, those are two identities that I personally went through fucking, I didn't go through hell or anything like with anyone externally, but just within myself, because at first yeah. I was like, I'm bisexual. And I always, my whole life felt like bisexual was wrong, but I couldn't say why I couldn't figure it out. Because I didn't have Mm -hmm. the language for it. I didn't have the guidance. I didn't have, you know. And even, you know, I feel like at the end of the day, like, 
everybody's just making up words, you know what I mean? And then we just have oh, definitions yeah. and then we just like, do you align with this definition of this word? You know what I mean? And it's like, that's yeah. cool. And I love that. And I think it's great. And it does in fact foster community, but it can also be a bit divisive. Because, Definitely. Because then like, I feel like it's kind of like you said, your parents were, felt like they were in a fix where it's like, damn, if we do not give this, give our child, you know, gender affirming care when they say that they need it, then maybe we will not be like seen as allies or maybe we'll be seen as, you know, something we're not where it's actually just more, are they too young to do this? You know, like is, is it the, the, the role of a parent in that situation is definitely very difficult, especially if um, they are supportive. Um, yeah. Because, you know, you have to decide whether you think it's okay. Cause I, I don't know if you identify as like a detransitioner because I know you said that um, you you feel like it doesn't really make sense for you to call yourself cis, but you don't necessarily align with any specific trans identity. Yeah, um, uh, I can speak to that a little bit if yes, you please. like. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I mean, I I definitely am detransitioning. I've definitely been unpacking a lot of things that I wasn't conscious of during my transition that were the motivators for some of the decisions I made. But um, uh, one thing I've learned since I started to talk to other D-trans people is that it's like so much more of a varied thing than people think it is. I think without knowing anything about it, people kind of assume, oh, a detransitioner is just someone who decided like they made a mistake they want to go back to you know living in the the sex role that you know they were assigned to live as and like they're trying to take whatever steps they can to look how they think they should look to be a, a cis woman or a cis man and that's really not always the case and um for a lot of us you know it's not a matter of deciding we were never trans like it's it's more a matter of realizing like this is not giving me what i expected it to be giving me by this time in my life like i i'm i'm not um i i thought i would be in a really different place at this point in my transition than i than i actually feel and uh starting to unpack that and you know think about how much being trans or being cis is really going to fix what the things that we're going through. Um, and so, you know, you'll find people who are detrans, you know, obviously there's some people who are really like, they think because they are detransitioning, that means every person who's transitioning is going to detransition, but it's so not, not, ignorant. yeah, not everyone is like that at all. And I think, um, if anything, other people are a bit less outspoken because uh, if you're not like that, you don't want to be that open about being detrans because people might make those assumptions about you. Um, um, but like, you know, I've definitely in some conversations I've had in the detrans community, I've found other people who feel similarly to me in that uh maybe we would say we're a D-trans female, but, like, we don't, we don't identify with, like, the societally constructed ideas of, like, what a woman is any more than we did when we started transitioning. Um, so I think it's a lot of gender nonconforming people in the D-trans community, which I, I, uh, that makes a lot seems of like it should be obvious, but it wasn't obvious to me until... I talked to other people and realized, oh, like, I'm not alone in that at all. <laughs> it sounds like a lot of people definitely don't take the time to ask the questions, right? Because, you know, if people are just assuming, I mean, and don't get me wrong, like, I've seen videos, of course, because they're pushed to the forefront of, you know, uh, people in Congress, teach, like, not in Congress, but people in meetings with Congress, uh, basically trying to ask them to advocate for passing laws to prevent kids, like, under 18 from being able to start transitioning because they decided they wanted to detransition and they basically blamed their parents for allowing them to transition so young. And I think, personally, um, I really hope this doesn't sound, like, 
terrible because it's like it's really hard for me to explain this without saying it the way I'm gonna say it but it sounds to me like it's like something is wrong with you beyond like anything you're talking about right here like none of the stuff that you're talking about right here you're fine there's you're you're there's nothing wrong with you wanting to detransition there's something wrong with you blaming your parents and you know I feel like it's not fair because your parents I have to imagine were people that had never gone through these things before and so yeah. they didn't have you know the ability to be like I don't think this is good for you because they don't know what you're going through and they were just trying their best to be supportive of what you wanted and I think people need to recognize that that's not really a parent's fault because at the end of the day like yes it's the parent's decision like to discern what is best for the child but the child is still an individual that is going to grow into being an adult and that adult continued with their transition throughout periods of time in adulthood mm-hmm. and yeah went back and, and blamed their parents for the origin of the so who's to say at 18 you wouldn't have started transitioning anyway like you're just looking for a scapegoat mm-hmm. and you're looking for a reason to put blame and negative connotation on detransitioning so that you can feed their fucking agenda about trans people in general. And I think it's just yeah. it's sad because like, this is a community you once identified with. Like, why would you turn your back on them like that? Yeah, I think I definitely agree. Um, I, I think it's important to, uh, I, I don't believe in blaming parents. Um, I do think that sometimes uh, professionals, uh, maybe didn't do the diligence that that should be done. Um, I know that a lot of people, myself included, now have found out about um, other disorders and things like that that they have that, you know, if uh, the professionals working with them had looked into those things more as potentially being part of the distress they were having with their bodies, it would have made sense not to recommend a surgery as the solution. Um, And so I think professionals, I think there's a conversation to be had about like the fact that we don't have a super solid protocol about how you determine whether top surgery is a beneficial decision for, for young person or not. Like, but um, parents are not really, informed on that any more than the the person who's trying to transition is and uh the experience when you talk to to doctors um who specialize in trans care is usually that you feel like they're the professionals and they know what's going on and if there was a risk they would make it clear to you um and so i think that that's more where the problem lies in certain situations at least um than with the parents but also some people go way too hard on the doctors too because like to a certain extent like they're taking your word for it as well um and yes i i don't think every doctor i worked with was just trying to get money out of me or anything like that i worked with a lot of people who were compassionate and were just trying to help people be happier you know and um they don't know you that well as a patient. And so like, you know, uh, they, they're to a certain extent, just trusting that whatever happened in therapy was, was enough. So it's, there's definitely more that could be done to, to improve this system, I think. And I hope that that does happen over time, but I don't think playing the blame game is really helpful for anybody. Um, I know that it's, very appealing for a lot of people, especially if they're really struggling with themselves after transitioning and they're really like regretting um, that this ever happened. But I just, I guess I'm not someone who looks at life in that way. It doesn't matter what the subject is. Like I don't tend to reflect on things and like fantasize about what could have been because instead I could just focus on like, where do I want to go with where I am today? I think that's much healthier. I definitely agree wholeheartedly. Um, I feel like I feel like I'm the kind of the same way. I, there's things, of course, that I definitely dwell on in the past, but it's just like it's not like a dwell where it's like, oh, woe is me. I'm so miserable. I hate it here. It's more like a damn, bro. That really fucking sucked that I went through that. But look at what I got on the other side. And I think that 
what you said was so like powerful even though it sounds so simple it's like the blame game gets you nowhere basically you know it's like what does blaming other people for whatever happened in the past you know unless accountability can be taken and change can be made what other what other reason is there for the blame game you know what i mean i feel like people put blame on other people for things because they don't want to take accountability and they don't want to feel responsible for whatever feelings or situation they ended up with and um because of that i feel like you know people are having a harder time being themselves because they don't want to risk being responsible for if they're dissatisfied with who they become. Mm-hmm. I, you know, over my time as like non-binary, like I have gone through several pronoun changes because like, I just feel like, you know, I personally don't like she pronouns only. Like I don't mind it every now and again, but like I'm noticing more and more it's starting to bother me. Um, especially I guess because I've become, uh, surrounded by people that do respect my pronouns and that only refer to me as they, as I prefer. So because of that, I just, you know, I find, I don't like internalize it and like, oh my God, these people are terrible. They won't respect my pronouns. Like, you know what I mean? Or like kind of trying and find blame somewhere else because I feel upset about, you know, not getting that gender euphoria. Like they're not doing it on purpose. It's not like they're disrespecting my pronouns. You've known me for 15 years as a she, bro. It's going to take some time to change. I totally get it. Um, And they're trying. But, you know, for me, it just fed a lot into my personal insecurity and I tried my best not to project that onto other people. Um, I don't know. I just, I found it very difficult to be able to like, just get up and like tell people I am this now. Um, And I was glad that when I found my voice that people were accepting of it. But the people who weren't accepting, I tried just, you know, not to internalize that stuff because people just are projecting their own things. Like now they're for them, they're kind of like, oh, you know what? At the end of the day, uh, this is a man and this is a woman. And it's like, okay, that's how you feel. And you're one person in this eight to nine billion world population. Like, do you think you know everything? What is that about? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and it, it really disappoints me when I see that in the D-trans community because I feel this is a group of people that should understand, if you know, out of anybody that um, if uh, that that if you put people into really strict boxes based on their sex, uh, that that has a negative effect. Most people who have transitioned and detransitioned were struggling with like the box they were being put into and how that was dictating their lives. And so like with everything you've been through, I I can't see how you wouldn't understand that giving people more freedom in expression and language is definitely a better way to go and will help a lot of people, you know, find their own balance in their lives, um, you know, and, and find their own way to, to see themselves, um, that's, you know, like, I definitely have realized that, um, I mean, by the time I started detransitioning, I had realized, like, I don't wish I was born male at all. Like, I'm really glad that I wasn't, honestly. And, like, mm. then that was something that I had to unpack and be like, okay, like, what is it that I was so disgusted by about myself being female? And, like, it was really easy to latch onto the idea of like, oh, hypothetically, if I woke up as a male version of myself tomorrow, would these feelings I have about being female go away? And I, I thought, yeah, they would. And that sort of started me down the, the medical path. But like, um, now that I'm, I'm sitting with my relationship with being female more, I realize, oh, like, you know, uh, I think a lot of those problems, those bad feelings I was having would come back if I just went back to being like, oh, I need to follow some kind of rule book on what female people have to be like, you know, that's kind of what the whole issue was. And so in my ideal world that people would realize that people would realize that like, unlike physical, our physical bodies, like our, our language is something that we invent and it always has been. And like, yes. it's a very human thing, you know, you, I, th- I feel like what we call gender in the sense that's like 
separate from just your sex. Uh, it's not something that animals really seem to be concerned about. Um, oh. <laughs> so, like, you know, given that, I don't see why it can't be specified, like, to human preferences, you know? It seems very obvious to me, but that's given everything that I've learned through my experiences. So I understand that, you know, with what you were saying about people who will put their foot down about what a woman is and what a man is, I partly feel like that's because for me, before I transitioned and I first started seeing people, other people talk about being trans, I felt like they were almost making a statement about me by making a statement about themselves because it almost felt like they were putting me into a box of whatever it is they didn't want to be by saying they needed to transition in order to not be that, if that makes sense. Um, And, you know, I think that's what, I think that's like a a reaction that a lot of people have without necessarily realizing it is that we've all been raised in this strict society when it comes to like what, what kind of person you are. Um, based on gender and like everyone has had to square with that in some way regardless of who they are regardless of how straight they are and I don't think they necessarily realize that till they come face to face with someone who is going like oh I'm declaring my own self and they go hey who said we get to declare anything and nobody ever asked me I you know I never got to think about it and I, I, I do think that's a big factor here I can definitely agree with that wholeheartedly um, I just want to touch back. Do you feel like there are trans doctors? Like there's trans representation in the medical field for that? Um, I mean, I, I, you mean like doctors that are trans? Yes, yeah, doctors that yeah. they, they themselves are trans, but they're I also... mean, I've heard that there are. I, I never experienced that. Um, uh, the people that I dealt with transitioning were mostly people who did other similar medical things. Like the endocrinologist I went to worked with trans people and also worked with, you know, diabetics and other people who needed an endocrinologist for other reasons. Mm. And uh, like the person I got top surgery from also did, you know, just reconstructive surgery um, and like surgery on cancer survivors and stuff like that. And uh, so they, they approached things not so much from a trans-specific view. Um, and But they were just kind of adjacent to the procedure that needed to be done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I think some people within the trans activism side of things don't fully recognize or understand that that is how it is in plenty of places. Like, if you're talking about the United States, there's a lot of variation um, of, like, what medical centers are available to different people in different states and different areas of their state, you know? And it's like, there's only really trans informed places in certain areas, usually near major cities and things like that. Um, And um, like, I grew up in a really rural area. And so like, you know, everybody I went to was just like, whoever we could most reasonably get to that could could offer what I was looking for um and uh I think that's something to be aware of because though they can still provide the services you're looking for they can't provide a lot of insight um or like Mm. perspective about what this process is you're you're undertaking um and they can't really look for signs of you know, how it's going for you. They're just going to ask you, like, like the whole time I was on testosterone, like, the check-ins would always just be like, how are you liking the results? Do you want to change the dosage to change the results at all? It was all kind of based on my whim. Mm -hmm. And that, like, looking back, um, I think there was a lot of time that I was just kind of like, yeah, I mean, just whatever. Like, I wasn't really thinking about it all the time anymore. I was just sort of trying to live my life. And um, uh, and, the, and there were other things about testosterone other than, like, gender-related things that were, like what? you know, uh, like, like, I really liked 
the relationship I, I developed with working out and getting stronger when I was on testosterone. And like, mm. that's something that's not really directly tied to gender. It's just like, yeah, it does give you a leg up in those areas and that can feel good and make you realize like, oh, this is, I care about being strong. And now I feel like I can keep pursuing that. And that was not a reason to stay on testosterone. But for the last couple months I was on testosterone that was the only reason I hadn't stopped yet was because I was like yeah these these workout benefits are nice which sounds ridiculous I know but like it's like it does not sound ridiculous (laughs) maybe not (laughs) I mean like I think I think it's fair like you know at the end of the day like you have to consider where you're coming from too with that like like you said like it's like you detransition but it doesn't necessarily mean that you align with the gender that you were assigned at birth so you know, getting these benefits from the hormones definitely could outweigh for you, you know, the other things at some point in time. It makes perfect sense, I think. Um, so do you feel like your, uh, your like journey with transitioning has impacted your sex life at all? Um, I do feel like it has, but I also feel like my relationship with sex impacted my transition a lot. I think like, elaborate on that. Yeah, um, part of the reason that my my mother especially w- became comfortable with signing off on me transitioning was she started to remember certain things from when I was a little kid, like the way I, when I was five years old, I declared that I was never going to give birth and that I was going to adopt like a certain amount of kids. And like, I was like very stubborn about that from a very young age. Mm. Um, looking back on that for me I realized like I remember learning about birth and what that was probably younger than I should have been learning about it in specifics honestly because I think it was it was a little bit much for me to process as a thing that might be expected of me and I just remember having a really like negative reaction to that and being really freaked out by the idea that like People were just assuming that no matter what I said, I was going to do that. And I didn't know, like, oh, I'm just a kid. I'll learn that that's actually what I want to do with my life. And um, I I, I definitely feel like I started to get paranoid about that. And um, I I think over time, I didn't feel like it was possible for me to be just the person that I am as a non-conforming girl. Like, it, it felt like there was only space for me to be the person I saw myself becoming if I wasn't a girl at all because then that wouldn't be an expectation and um that's you know that's really not got a lot to do with who I am in terms of gender and like what what I should be physically you know I think this idea that like even though as we've established, I don't think we should be banning trans healthcare for, for minors. Um, I think this idea that we should be trying to make sure they get started young so that they, you know, can get things out of the way. I think that is very flawed because looking back on those feelings, like I didn't think I would grow out of those feelings, but I did, you know, and I grew out of those feelings after I got a hysterectomy, you know, and then I, I had to kind of mourn the, the ability that I'd given up, you know? Um, wow. So you had both bottom and top surgery? Um, well, I only had a hysterectomy, which okay. I got uh, I got because I had I was still thinking I wanted lower surgery. Okay. Um, and then uh, after I got the... Sorry. sorry. No, I was just asking, were those two yeah. correct terms for bottom and top surgery, or did I... Um, well, bottom surgery usually refers to, like, getting genital reconstruction. Okay. Um, so, okay. like... A hysterectomy is just removing the uterus. Right. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, my bad. Yeah, no worries. Um, but, like, I, uh, you know, I I mean, I definitely also, at the time, you know, I was 19, right? So I was an adult. Like, we were touching on a lot of these things, you know, people tr- continue their transitions as adults before detransitioning. And, um, you know, so that's why I don't think a rule about what how old you have to be is the best solution because you know at 19 having been living as a trans man since I was in my early teens I you know it felt like one of the only things I knew 
in in life at that age um and so the idea of like moving away from that path was really scary i didn't know i I felt like i wouldn't know anything about who i was or what i was trying to do if i changed that and um everyone had always seemed so proud of me that i was able to figure myself out at such a young age as well and so i didn't want to give that up um but but looking back yeah looking back like i don't like I, I don't think I was in a place where I would, as if I were a professional, I wouldn't sign off on 19-year-old me getting that hysterectomy um, because there was a lot going on at the time. I had just been released from Suicide Watch. Um, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, and uh, looking back, it's, it is kind of, so this is where the element about the professionals comes in. Looking back, I'm like, it is kind of crazy that that wasn't reason for pause um that should have yeah that honestly sounds like neglect honestly um that should have halted everything really but i'm really sorry that first of all you had to go through that and whatever you went through to get you there in the first place and secondly that like you weren't really being fully assessed fairly it sounds like yeah um but in a more positive note um i feel like a more positive relationship with sex has helped me find my path now in a lot of ways because um once i started to meet partners that uh were uh I, i don't even know how to describe i guess just people who were interacting with sex in a very different way than any of these ideas that i that i've been afraid of about sex um uh I, it changed my relationship with my body a lot to be with partners who uh, I didn't feel like we're trying to put put themselves into any box or put me into any box, but we're just there to connect and to, you know, create pleasure and receive pleasure. And um, I feel like that helped me appreciate my body a lot more than I had and realized that, like, um, I really did not want to do anything else to my body, you know, and I started to reflect on like, oh, you know, I don't like, I don't regret top surgery, for example, but like, I do sometimes wonder if I hadn't got top surgery, how would I feel about my chest today at 22? Mm. Um, That that would be different than how I felt about it as a teenager, you know, and maybe I could have worked through that in a non-surgical way, but I don't like, like, scorn the surgeon and and like you know look at my chest every morning and go oh how did i do that you know like yeah absolutely there's no like real remorse like not no real remorse but no like regret i guess yeah well don't yeah yeah the only yeah the only the bigger regret is about like the um the lack of understanding i had about what a big decision it is to sterilize yourself um yeah that is very fair um honestly it's it's interesting that you say that because they do tell a lot of women not to um <clears throat> i'm not referring to you as a woman just you know just talking about like the medical field how they refer to women um they will tell women like oh you know you're too young you don't know you don't mm-hmm. to change your mind and it's like we take that as patronize patronizing you know and like just basically like oh you can't tell me what to do with my body but what if there is some truth to that like mm-hmm. i think about literally what three years ago i was like i want a million kids like i want like 10 kids i want my house filled with kids i'm gonna get married and have my monogamous life and want kids and today i want zero fucking kids i I want multiple partners like i am a Mm -hmm. completely different being from two to three years ago yeah you know and it's just like i'm not trying to invalidate anybody's feelings you know but i am just wondering if maybe not every time a doctor suggests maybe you should wait they're being patronizing maybe sometimes there's some genuine 
hey, you're young. You really don't know how you will change. The real truth of the matter is, like, we might have been here for whatever, however many years. I'm turning 29 in five days. Um, Oh, happy almost birthday. (laughs) Thank you. But yeah, we have, you know, we've been here for such a short amount of time. And even within that amount of time, we've been conscious even less time. You know what I mean? So we are learning every day, every step of the way, what's, what is what. And I do think that, you know, the issue with society, sorry to be like very morbid, but like, I think the issue with society is that we push like all of these terrible natural disasters and terrible uh, violence uh, streets Mm. and all these things on the internet and on social media. And we scare people into thinking they have to live their life fast. And because of that, people decide, well, I need to fix these things right now. Like, I don't have time to sit and dwell on this. And I'm super guilty of this. I'm the main person that will tell a nigga I don't have time. I do not have time. Like, at all. Like, I do not fuck around about that. You know what I mean? Like, I take time very seriously for that exact reason. It's scary. You never know what can happen. But what if I just lived like I was meant to instead of living like I'm trying to get the most out of life before I die? You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like, it's like... It's it's a different perspective for sure. Um, yeah, I feel that. Um, yeah, and it's it is interesting to me, like like when it comes to the hysterectomies and age, like it's generally you, you'll never see uh, a cis girl be allowed a hysterectomy under the circumstances like that I was, you know. And I think there is a certain level of like discrimination in that when it comes to oh if somebody has pcos and they're really suffering and you Mm -hmm. could you know take away their suffering by allowing them to get this medical procedure that seems like a reasonable medical reason to consider it you know to to look into it as an option for that person and potentially allow it but i also can't help but wonder like just because i had been transitioning like why did that mean that there's zero concern about that 19 year olds like whereas like the standard for a 19 year old is oh definitely we don't usually give out hysterectomies to people that young um i think that's very interesting because like uh i throughout the process like when i was 16 and i first started testosterone they asked me if i wanted to save eggs before i started mm-hmm. and i was like no 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 i never never want to be a mother you know that's the worst thing i could possibly become you know and then from that point forward i felt like that was a decision i'd already made it was already in the past to me and so then when that decision of of reproduction kept coming up again later mm-hmm. I was like, oh, well, but this is a decision I made when I was 16, which I was aware had been really heavy. Mm-hmm. Like, um, And by the time I was 19, I was like, uh, I, I, I felt like I just wanted it to, I just wanted to leave it behind already, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, like, I think... I had been like given like like the thing is you're still you're still able to reproduce for the most part like um going on hormones like I know people talk about how there's a chance it could sterilize you if you're on them for a long time but like hormones are not birth control and like you could still like at, at least for someone who's female like you could easily still get pregnant when you're on testosterone and so I think you know it's uh I don't think I should have been treated as if uh that was not still part of the equation for me right. when it absolutely was you know absolutely and i think it comes down to this thing of like in a way sometimes um m- the medical transition system is trying is uh it's, it's a bit of an attempt to fit trans people into a neat this box where it's like oh well you know cis men don't give birth so you know if you're transitioning you should never want to give birth and obviously the attitudes have changed around that a little bit i think people are a little more accepting of people giving birth um if they're transitioning Mm. but like i definitely felt like it i as a young person my impression was oh that's that's gross like i felt like i would be gross if i wanted to do that and like 
I think all those things like have an impact on people. And so it's like, I mean, I don't think we should be telling young girls that they, their, their duty on this earth is to, to birth children. And I also don't think that if there's somebody who's transitioning, we should just treat them like that's not a decision that they're still dealing with that, that is still there. That's still a possibility, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That's really fair. So what do you feel like your relationship with sex is now? Um, I mean, honestly, I find sex kind of spiritual now. Like, I feel like I worship sex. I feel like um, it's like a part of my personal independent practice of spirituality. And I've like been working to be more mindful about who I'm engaging with and why and like what you know, even if it's not a serious connection, like what what is behind that connection? Um, okay. And and that has been a lot more fulfilling for me. Um, I like I'm. Uh, I've, one thing I've learned about myself is I'm somebody who has like a lot of love to give at a lot of different levels, and that like I'm. I'm not interested in stifling that and um, trying to be somebody I'm not with like casual sex culture. Um, not that there's anything wrong with having casual sex, but oh, of course. Um, but like the culture of like very detached mm-hmm. hookups, um, especially in the queer community, sometimes like. Mm. Uh, uh, I don't think it did me any good, really. Um, especially when, you know, I look back on being a teenager and I definitely was looking for affirmation from sex that, like, okay. I think was, like, um, uh, not the best headspace to be in in, like, a casual sex encounter, probably. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. So what do you feel like your relationship with sex has changed since you were like 18, I guess, to now? Like, um, I feel like it's changed. Yeah, I feel like um, I've become a lot more open to my internal like desires. I, I feel like when I was a teenager, I was my interest in sex was completely centered around the other person, which I think is pretty common um, because everybody kind of struggles with themselves and their self image. And it's much easier to focus on another person who you're attracted to. Um, But uh, over the past few years, I mean, it's almost a matter of realizing what I don't know more than like realizing everything about myself. Like, making more space for like oh like I need to be able to realize when I don't really know what I want in the moment I need to be able to communicate about that with a partner and then maybe from there we will figure out where we want to go and like uh or like realize that there is something that I want that I want to put out there and see like if it can be accepted um and I don't know that might sound really simple but like it's been a big realization for me that I went through a lot of my life, like not even considering what I wanted because I just really was so detached um, from myself. And I, I, it was just, I had no idea. And so I didn't even want to think about it because it was just troubling, I guess, to not know. I hear you. Well, I thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, if there's anything else you want to leave our guests with, our listeners, sorry. Um, uh, I don't think so. This has been a great conversation. Thank you so much yes. um, for inviting me. Um, Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here. And if you have any social media or projects you're working on that you want to plug, you can go ahead. Um, yeah, if uh, anybody's interested in checking out my new fansly, it's uh, Tate underscore Melody. Um, I'm trying to get started in, in that area. Um, I'm not huge on um, Instagram and stuff like that, but um, 
yeah, I'll definitely be interested to hear what other kind of conversations you've been having um, on for this show. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you so much. And you guys know where to find me. You can find me on YouTube, Patreon, and Twitch. Rain is always heavy here. You can find me on Instagram, Rain is always heavy here, B, or Rain dot is always heavy here. And you can find me on Twitter at an anomaly518. And anywhere else you need to find me, you can find me through those channels. Thank you guys again for joining us. Peace be with you. Love and happiness. Have a blessed day. And I'll catch you guys next week. Bye.